Many times in this tradition of Tazkiyah Tasawwuf, a lot of talk is about love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And sometimes also talk is about fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So tonight Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put in my heart, just now, before Isha, idea came into my mind. I don't know if Allah put it in my heart or simply my mind had a thought. Hmm? That actually there's another way to look at this topic and that is obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And sometimes it is actually possible. It shouldn't be like that. But for sometimes people practically it's actually possible that they do love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but they still don't obey Him. They do fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but they still don't obey Him. And that's a very strange thing. Hmm? That there's somebody who doesn't believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and doesn't obey Him, understand. Somebody believes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, nafs iman, basic iman, but they don't have love for Allah ta'ala and they don't obey Allah ta'ala, you can understand. Somebody believes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but they don't have any fear. They don't have khawf, khashiyat. So they don't obey, understand. But the type of people who come to a gathering like this, the type of people who pray in the masjid and stay back for a talk, are people who all say and do feel that they love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they are afraid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not like they're fearless people. They are afraid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But still... There are many cases, many instances when we fail to obey Him. Hmm? A strange thing. So there are several reasons that we feel are behind this. So that's what we want to share with you tonight. Alright? Reason number one. Sometimes a person gets caught up in their own love such that they start viewing themselves as a lover. Hmm? And then it becomes slack in the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So especially in the history of Sufism and Tasawwuf, there were few people who had this problem. Few people, but this problem reoccurs every century. And what was that? That they did fall in love with Allah ta'ala. They started making zikr of Allah ta'ala. They made loud zikr of Allah ta'ala, silent zikr of Allah ta'ala. They felt love for Allah ta'ala. But then they felt that they had an identity as the lover of Allah ta'ala. There's something different. One is to love Allah Ta'ala as his slave, and one is to think you are his lover. Hmm? This very subtle thing I'm telling you tonight. And because I've come to you, like the Imam said a few times, so I'm now telling you something, like I would tell people who are old friends. For those of you coming for the first time, <laughs> might be a little bit, huh? is it a barik bate? It's latif, yani, it's a bit of a subtle matter I'm telling you. To view yourself as his lover. Because what happens there is that means you started viewing yourself as something. The slave is the person who views himself as nothing. 
As long as you stay on that default position that I'm nothing and I view myself as nothing, you're abd. Then when you love him as an abd, that love translates into obedience. But the second, the moment you start viewing yourself as something, then I'm his lover. I'm the lover of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But that's something. You're no longer nothing. Now you view yourself as something. So you're loving him as a lover and not loving him as a slave. You're loving him as something, as someone, as his lover. You're not loving him as nothing, no one, as a slave. That love does not always translate into obedience. Hmm? Deep. Problem. Same thing happens with love for Sayyidina Rasulullah wasallam. When they love Nabi Akrim sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Simply as an ummati, that he is my nabi, I am his ummati. He is my nabi, I am his ummati. He is my nabi, my prophet, my everything. And I am his ummati, his just basic, simple member of his ummah. That love leads to obedience. Allah told Nabi Akram in Quran, proclaim, tell them that they must obey Allah and they must obey the Messenger. So they obey. But when they start viewing themselves as the lover of the Prophet now there's something. But they made the transition from nothing to something. So they think they're a lover. And they try to love the Prophet as his lover. You'd be amazed. They stop obeying. And you will find people who love the Prophet as his lover but they still don't follow the sunnah of Nabi. Obeying the Prophet, one element of that is to follow the sunnah of Nabi Akram sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Oh, come on. Ajay. Now they're not false in the love. They're not fake in the love. They're not lying in the love. They do love the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They do. It's not like they don't like him. They do love him. They love him deeply. But the flaw was they started viewing themselves as a lover. Hmm? Flaw. Flaw took place. Hmm? I can give you so many examples tonight. Hmm? You go on Hajj. You go on Hajj as an Abd. And you view yourself as nothing. That Hajj will lead to obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You go on Hajj and you come back as Haji. (laughs) And you view yourself as Haji. And you view yourself as something. (laughs) Any and every time we start viewing ourselves as something. That's when the obedience starts going away. Even though we have the love for Allah Ta'ala, we have the love for the Prophet, we have the Hajj, we have the Umrah, but we started viewing ourselves as something that takes you out of being abd. And the true obe- obedience, it'at, is when a person is abd, when a person is slave. That's why Allah Ta'ala chose this word to describe us. Because if you look at human slavery, what is a slave? Hmm? If you just look in a dictionary sense, not even slave of Allah, just what is a slave? A slave is that person who does whatever the master commands. First, in order to be a slave, you have to have a master. Necessary. Necessary definition of slave, there must be a master. Second, submission to that master. Obedience, that's called slave. If there's a person who has a boss, that's not 100% obedience, 100% submission, you don't call that master slave. You call that employer employee, like what we have today in the world, right? Hmm? It's only that relationship which has 100% submission and obedience, that's called slave. So what is the word Allah Ta'ala picked for us? What are we? We're Abdullah. We are slaves. 100% what's the name Allah Ta'ala picked for our deen? Islam. Peace through submission. Islam means salam through taslim. Salam is peace. Taslim is submission. Islam is to bring about salam through taslim. To bring about peace through submission. 
We don't even know the meaning of people say Islam means peace. The word Islam does not mean peace. The word salam means peace. And you say it all the time, Assalamu alaikum. Salam means peace. Islam does not mean peace. Some people say Islam means submission. Not the slave means submission. Islam is both. Islam means to bring about peace through submission. Individual peace through individual submission. Family peace if the whole family submits. Global humanity could have global peace if all of humanity on earth submitted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Peace through submission. Hmm? So we are ummed in our deen is about submission. Hmm? It's a lesson there. And you can see over and over, atiyu, obey, obey, obey. This all happens when we remember and view ourselves as nothing. So you see the slave. Slave sees himself as nothing. Malana Rum Ramtale, he mentioned a story. I'm trying to remember, I can't remember. It's a story that he mentions. It's either Sultan Mahmud Ghaznavi or Harun Rashid. He mentions a story. That there was a person, Ayaz, the famous Ayaz. So Ayaz goes to the Sultan. So Ayaz is the Khadim. He wants to become an attendant in the royal court. So the king asks him, okay, what's your name? So he says, my name is whatever you call me. The slave? <laughs> says, okay, what do you do? Well, I do whatever you command me. And what do you do? You have some skill, you want to be cook. What? Says, no, I do whatever you command me. What do you wear? I wear whatever you, with whatever you clothe me. What do you eat? I will eat whatever you feed me. Why is Malana Rumi mentioning this story in Muslim? He's trying to tell us, remind us what a slave. <laughs> It's complete submission and complete obedience. Hmm? And that's what happens. And Mawr has many stories about Ayaz. Hmm? So what happens because Ayaz is this perfect, obedient, loyal, loving, dutiful, devout servant and slave to the king. So he becomes the beloved of the king. This is another thing. People don't connect the stories across Masnavi. So what Mawr Rumi was trying to show is when you have this complete obedience and submission, you get love and belovedness through that. So he becomes the beloved of the king, the favorite attendant in the court. Hmm? Favorite. And there are many other stories about how the other attendants in the court become jealous of Ayaz. And anyway, that's a different topic. Hmm? So belovedness and love is through obedience. But you can only obey Allah Ta'ala when you view yourself as nothing. I'll give you another example. So let's look at examples of how people disobey Allah Ta'ala. So one way a person, let's take some few minor and I will do it up. So first step, one way a person disobeys Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they sleep through Fajr, they miss Fajr Salah. Alright? Okay. Now, I'm talking about a particular way. I'm not talking about the person who set five alarms and couldn't wake up. I'm talking about the person who did not set the alarm at night and actually intended not to wake up that morning. For whatever reason. Alright? Now why? Because they viewed their sleep as something. They viewed their 9 a.m. meeting as being more important as something. Something, there's something in their life they viewed as something. And then their obedience became nothing. They missed their Fajr Salah. Hmm? Or even some of these youth, they play their games. And I, I've had this case come to me. They're playing game and they miss Zohar Asr, one of those midday Salahs, because they're playing the game. You're so caught up in the game, you, you couldn't leave the game. Hmm? So you view the screen as something, and you view your enjoyment of playing the game as something, your obedience became nothing. Why does a person make the sin or disobedience, let's say of corruption or interest or unlawfully acquiring wealth, but whatever they wanted to do with that money that they want to acquire, it's something, there's some goal to them, there's something there, which their obedience again becomes nothing. It's only when you stay as a slave 
that you can obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything has to be molded in slavehood, love and fear. Imam al one of the great imams of this ummah, so his masterwork, you many would know, so in that he has one book called Kitab al-Muhabba, the book about love, love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and he talks about the different stages of love, right? And some, some of that stuff is very Sufi stuff, you know, you feel ecstatic feelings of love, and you go crazy over Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, yeah, those are all stages. He says that the end, you reach real love. End. And the end, what is real love? He says the end, you reach real love. Real love is ita'at and real love is ubudiyat. In your real love is obedience and real love is submission. That's love. And what did he mean by that? You have to understand. Because you know, for us we're reading now, he was writing a thousand years ago, almost 950 years ago. People understood. For us we need to have a bit of common to understand. What he meant was, that don't get stuck in these intermediate stages. Don't get stuck in the trappings and the gift wrappings of being a lover. Take it all the way. Take it all the way to the maqsood, the matloob, the purpose, the objective of love is obedience and slavehood. And if you get all of the luxuries and incidental things that happens on the journey, but you don't reach the destination, then this love is of no value to you. Hmm? Like for example, okay, I travel to you. If I go on the airline, I do the check-in, and I get the boarding pass, and I sit in the lounge, and I get on the plane, and they give me the towel, and they do everything, I do all of those things, but I never arrive at the destination. Then what's the point of all that stuff? Hmm? So yes, there's some minor things that happen on the journey on the way. It's all irrelevant. The only purpose of the journey is to reach the destination. And this is the metaphor Allah SWT gave us in Surah Al-Fatiha. It's the path. So the believer is a journeyer. The believer is traveling on the path towards the obedience and submission of Allah subhanahu wa Believer is always traveling, moving to become closer to Allah subhanahu wa All movement. It's used this now modern terms about movement, dynamic, always, never static, never passive, and never, never motionless, never stationary. That's what they use for salah, salah. Hmm? I just made it. Hmm? 
Like Nabi Akrim taught us huh, in Sayyidul Sikhaf, Nabi Many du'as at Sayyidul Sikhaf from the Sunnah of Nabi Akrim When you attest the greatness of Allah SWT, attest to His bounties and blessings on us. <coughs> so that's fear. Fear. But now there are different types of fear. One is fear of humiliation. One is fear of being exposed. One is fear of being caught. And one is another fear. And all thought I pulled it off perfectly. Nobody will caught me. Nobody has caught me. I will not be exposed. There will be no humiliation. I'm just afraid of you. Only thing I'm afraid of is you. I pulled it off. And that's for living in a time and age. You can pull sins off. Most people pull sins off. 99% of people who make tawbah from sin, and this is a good thing in Alhamdulillah, it's not because of this fear of humiliation explosion. They pulled it off, they, they got it, they did it. Now they're afraid, afraid of Allah Alhamdulillah. It's a big blessing from Allah This itself is a renewal from Allah And I mention this because sometimes what happens, especially after Ramadan, sooner or later at some point it will happen to everybody, me, you, everyone here, it's going to happen at some point. We will make our first sin after Ramadan. Death will happen. The first happens all the time. When you go on hand, you come back, and somebody will make the first sin after Hajj. You will make the first sin after Umrah. You are going to make the first sin after Umrah. In fact, many of us have already made it. And we haven't realized Some of us are not thinking, you're not making it. Did I make it? Huh? Love Akbar? Maybe because we don't understand the definition of sin either. If whenever you make that first sin, or second sin, or third sin, and you feel sad, and you have remorse, and you have regret, even that is a blessing from Allah SWT. That is an incredible blessing from Allah SWT. We call it His Asas. means that you're sensitive, sensitive to the failure. Sensitive. And that makes you feel remorse and regret and turn it into But the problem is that people say, that time, I feel that remorse, I feel that regret, I make toba, and I keep feeling this fear after the sin, but I need to, how do I change and get the fear before the sin? Fear after sin, that's called toba. Fear before sin, that's called the Quran. That was what Ramadan was about, right? So I said all of this fasting and all the power and blessings and mercies of Ramadan, there's the other way to cause every feature. At the place of the month, why? So that you fear Allah before sin. All of this is why. Now, who would show up? What type of person even shows up in Ramadan and fasts and makes dua to Allah on all nights and searches for little together? They had the first fear. The person with the fear after sin. Right? They show up in Ramadan. I want Allah, Rahman, Makhara, so prayer, so many so they have the first thing, fear after sin. Purpose of Ramadan is to fear before sin. Ta'ala Obedience. It's also obedience. All comes down to slavery and obedience. All of being comes down slavery and obedience. All the love, all of the love is worth nothing unless and until it brings the obedience. The only value is the question. And I fear Allah Ta'ala after sin. How can I bring the fear before sin? <coughs> Same thing. Okay.
Allah. Then you will view whatever pleasure or whatever benefit or whatever purpose you want to do that sin, you have to view that as nothing. Whenever you view that as something, then you're not to be tempted to do it. It's something. Then it becomes a goal for you, and you do it. After you do it, then you feel totally you feel bad because you view it as nothing. You'll realize this is another thing. This is also part of the Tasnaya. Any time a believer, don't look at what non-believers do. Any time a believer disobeys Allah's Fatah for the sake of something, and they get that something, their Imam makes them look at that as nothing. They feel shame. What did I just do? For five minutes of pleasure, for ten extra rand. Nothing. Nothing. I did all this for nothing. Let's leave it I went through all that for nothing. I did all this for nothing. But how you had to view it as nothing before? But you viewed it as something before you went for it. Slay it. Slay it. Obedience to Allah, obey Allah, and obey the So this is the beautiful thing, Sahabat Ram two words to explain the secret of their success. The rest of the three words to be thinking. Samina wa Samina wa As soon as they heard, listen, as soon as they knew and understood what was obedience, they obeyed. As soon as they that's up, that's exactly what it says. That's exactly what submission is. Submit no ta'ana, submit no ta'ana, submit no ta'ana. I sometimes think it's the barakah, the barakah of Sabakam. Also, many other reasons for it, but barakah of Sabakam, that every time Allah Ta'ala sent me a place to the earth and obey, then Allah Ta'ala sent me another one. He did amal. Because the Sadeeh is the day of the day, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when you do amal on your ilm, then Allah will teach you that which you don't know. Even when you practice, what you already know, Allah Ta'ala will guide you to more knowledge. The Sabbath Quran. New knowledge, the Quran, Samir Allah Ta'ala. Then Allah, then more knowledge. Look at the level of their Qadar. Look at the level of their obedience to Allah Swanta. And in time there is a slight, slight slip. Like you may have been told in the last 10 days, and if you heard some talk about Lirat the Qadr and what happened to Islam over slightly arguing with each other. You don't get to know Lirat the Qadr. Which night is this? This is our problem. This is really, it's that simple. There's really not many, there's many topics a person can talk about, but really everything comes down to this RB from the song. Everything comes down to now, Ramadan was a training in obedience. Hmm? This is something you must have heard many times, people tell you, unless you're eating the halal food and drinks, right? There's already permissible. So if you believe it's permissible, why can't you leave? That's what prohibited. Now, yeah, it sounds great, it makes sense. But maybe you're very stubborn people. <laughs> they say, no, <laughs> we can leave the permissible in Ramadan, but we can't leave the prohibited house in Ramadan. Yeah. The young man will say, I can leave eating and drinking in Ramadan, no problem. I can't leave the girls on the screen outside Ramadan, no problem. But yet the logic is there, you can leave the permissible for Allah's sake, why can't you leave the prohibited? But the reality is, no, I can leave the permissible for Allah, but I can't leave the prohibited. You know, that's it. 
Our Shaykh Mahakamu Zamamsa, one day we were sitting in the Hashtag, and uh, you know when you go and sit in the order they are for this time, right? The things are there, and you sit there, you make du'al, you look for this time, and you make du'al, you get in the dawn, or, or sire, <laughs> this is, see, sire, I don't know how people do it, right? Different places do different things. We prefer a dawn, because when you hear the dawn, you hear Allah, Allah, name Allah. But one Allah actually tried to convince me, I don't remember what was the reasoning. Anyway, like that, why you give me some long reasoning why it's better to have sire as opposed to a song. Clear? So you're making du'a from the song, and you're waiting, and the time is to break the fast, and you eat. But the food was already there in front of you. So he said that this, the food being there already in front of us, this is Allah, I'll explain it to this is Allah Ta'ala's Shani Rububiyah, I'll explain it. This is Allah from the Shani Rububiyah. And you're not eating the food, even though Allah has already prepared it for you, and then added layout for you, and you're not eating it until you hear the call for permission that is from Abdi. So what does it mean? Allah's mountain under the sun. Allah is the one who provides for our sustenance. He is our love. And He's already made the arrangement to take care of us. He is the host in every God. He is the host in every God. But we will not partake of the host offering yet because we are slaves. And only when the master gives us the green light, so to speak, will we partake of those. So 30 days we did this thing. Master slave, master slave, master slave. And what type of thing? The master will take incredible care of the slave as long as the slave will be. Every iftar you ate, I ate, every iftar we ate was a practical demonstration of that. Whether, even if it was just one single day and one sip of water, or whether it was mashallah, huh? Haleem, samosa, and all of that. Master will, in advance, take care of that slave who is going to obey that master. Now when you look at the Quran, what is the term Quran uses in the professional? وَأَنْدَلُهُمْ أَجْنَلْ عَذِيمًا وَأَنْدَلُهُمْ أَجْنَلْ كَرِيمًا it means that Allah has already, since past forever, because Allah Ta'ala is a pre-eternal being. So when you use the past tense for Allah Ta'ala, it goes back forever. So from past infinity, Allah Ta'ala has been preparing the rewards in Jannah for His obedience slaves. His Shani Rukhiyyat goes back to past forever. Our Shani Abiyyat is from when we're balag until we die and enter our <coughs> Maybe 50, 60 years. Hmm? And how much do we prepare? That it will last for our future prayer. How many delights are there in Jannah? They will last for future prayer. And Allah has been preparing them for us since past prayer. And all we have to do is obey Him in the here and now. All we have to do is obey Him in the here and now. This is a beautiful concept of life. We have the concept of life in humanity, secularism, revolution, it's all finished. What can we compare to this? I have a God who's been preparing for me for past forever, he's prepared enough for my future forever, and all I have to do is obey him and be his slave in the here and now. That's my whole philosophy of life. That's it. I'm going to more philosophy. All finished. All finished. All finished. Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, Rasul.
odeio a luz pontana, eu odeio ser não sou nós e somos o nosso. Então, quando é canto no dia, nem somos o nosso. Eles não fiam. Canto no dia, eu amo tudo isso. Love and fear. Love and fear. Quando é canto no dia, eu sei que não sou nós e somos o nosso. Only love. Achei? Only love. Não fiam. There's no concept in that being that you have fear of the possibility. The word hope is not used for the being of the Muslim. Not because you, even if you're alive, no. Rob is something else, that he was an awe-inspiring figure. And you should, in some, some age, if you read and study them, you will feel that awe. Hmm? No fear. So what does that mean? It's two parts love and one part fear. Two parts, the recipe of love. Two parts love and one part fear will bring you to obedience. Now, is it hard to love Allah Spantala? No. Allah Spantala is the most amazing, incredible, beautiful being who eats every single thing that we have. Is it hard to fear Allah Spantala? No. I say Subhanallah al I say Allah Akbar. How many times a day do I say Akbar al-Adeem and al-A'la? Dozens of times a day. Not hard to fear Allah Spantala. And is it hard to love Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Each of these separate beyond of itself. No. Alhamdulillah. Most lovable human being. Most lovable human most lovable human being, Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Most lovable being Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Amazing. So then, the last thing I would say tonight, this is a very scary thing. Iblis, Shaitan, is a very twisted creature. So what Iblis and Shaitan is a twisted, demented creature. And I thought I'd protect us from all this. We try to do, we try to do that position, that moment. Listen carefully. He tries to take that believer who has love for Allah Sallam who has fear for the Sultan, and who has love for Rasulullah and trying to bring that believer into disobedience. Oh, is that the way out? He that believer who has love for the Sultan, and fear for the Sultan, and love for Rasulullah into disobedience. And even more twisted, what is he trying to do? He tries to take them into a wrong love and a wrong fear. So he sees that they have an emotion of love inside them, and they have an emotion of fear inside them, he tries to twist it and take them into a false love and a false fear. So false love will be love for Abraham, false love can be love for dunya, money, greed, false love can be love for fame, popularity, name, false fear. We go, you know, what will my children do when I die? Hmm? I think I explained this to you once, I remember that I explained this to you, maybe not here, the false fear. What will happen to my children after I die? Real fear. What will happen to my children after they die? Listen, hmm? Listen again. False fear. What will happen to our children, you know? What will happen to my children in dunya after I die and leave this dunya? True fear. What will happen to my children after they die in dunya 
And they think, what happens to the Menachem? So what happened to the leopard? To the leopard, he twisted it. He took the feeling of love in a person and twisted it. So you're fine people. And if you have this is also one of the signs of Hitler. Because normally, bad people do bad things. That's normal. Fitna, good people do bad things. This is the age of Hitler. Good believers are doing bad things. People who love Allah's Fatah, love Prophet fear Allah's Fatah, still want to do bad things. All of us are living examples of that. The people who fasted all 30 fasts, prayed on the career, they also get slip back into sin. People who become hafiz, slip back into sin. People go on hajj, they slip back into sin. Not evil people, not bad people. Hmm? You think this is a sign of Najib, another thing, Shayyid mentioned to us in Ramadan. And I was thinking about it, and he actually mentioned it in the book, because he mentioned this. Najib point, that in all the earlier Ummahs, in all the earlier communities, all the communities of the previous prophets, there were only two categories. There were those who were the Muttaqeen believers of them. Right? And they were the Munafiqeen. They only had two extreme categories of believers. The Muttaqeen believers and the Munafiqeen believers. So if you want to know who the Munafiqeen believers are, example of that is like what you can read in Surah Baqarah about the certain people who were the Munafiqeen believers of the Bible Right? There are three categories. They are the Muttaqeen believers, they are Munafiqeen believers, and they are the Muslim the sinner believers. They are not Munafiqeen on the right? They are not Muttaqeen on the sinning believers. And so you don't find mention of that in the other Ummas. So the Bible says, Some of you have a lot of you, the Muttaqeen believers, and then there are the Musa is the same thing, other Anbiya is the same thing, Nabi Nuala is the same thing. But in this Ummah, they're sinning believers. <laughs> sinning believers. So how can I describe it? Nah, they have the love, they have the fear, but they still fail to love. Why? Because of the nafs. Nafs. Can't understand this with your uncle because of our nafs. So the nafs is stubborn. The nafs will make us disobey Allah Santa. Even if our heart loves him and our heart fears him and our mind loves him and our mind fears him. That's when Santa says, It all comes down to us. Successful Allah. Successful will be that person who purifies their nafs. From what? From the ability to bring them into disobedience. The person doesn't do that. They might be a lover, they might dress like this, look like this, and they still can fall sick to sin and disobedience. The lesson we took from Ramadan, we were supposed to learn from Ramadan. The Allahum obedience to Allah Taala. This should be what we talk about in Shalom. This should be what we remind ourselves. This is what we should be watching now. Did Ramadan change me? Yani, did Ramadan change me in my obedience to Allah? And if it didn't, the Sayyidina Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam also said that. 
But there will be some people who fast and they will get nothing from that fast <coughs> hunger and thirst. What does it mean? They don't get the Alakuta Takun. They don't get the Takun. So we should be scared now. You can't tell that in Ramadan. That happens, that we will tell about yourself now. After Ramadan, we will see now what effect Ramadan had us. And if it did not make us more slave and more obedient, then that means we are in danger that we fall in that category that we got nothing from it other than hunger and thirst. We got nothing from that Taraweeh except slightly sore knees. But standing wrong and so on. No MashaAllah, all of you put in a lot of effort in Ramadan. I'm sure all of you fasted every fast, prayed every Taraweeh. Allah knows how much grasping you recited, how many dollars you must have made, and maybe you may be saddened at the cow. MashaAllah, all of effort. Mm-hmm. I don't want to lose that. Mm-hmm. I want to lose that mood. You disobey the song, Allah. Thanks, Allah. Like if you have huge, like in our country, we have huge water tanks on top, 50 gallons. <coughs> if you have a small opponent, a small hole, then you may have spent a whole month filling that tank up with water. If you put one small little hole, the water will start trickling. And just like that, that and runs on all these fasts, and then we all of that, it built up this whole tank of food for our young. If we disobey the Santa, we're going to put a hole in it. And all the door will start to trick out. We thank God Allah give us the feet to preserve, to do the positive of what we have. He blesses us in Ramadan. We thank God Allah makes us into obedient slaves, not to protect us from every delusion of viewing ourselves as something. everything <laughs> Yaqeen in our Imam, the Rukhul in our Imam, 
Let us use every nikmah that you have given us in your obedience, ya Never, never, ever again let us use the bounties that you have given us in your disobedience, ya Put barakah in our time, in our hearts, put barakah in our families, in our homes. Make us better husbands, better fathers, better sons, better friends to one another, ya Grant us all the laws that say, Not a suit of law, a suit of law, a suit of take for. Let the Sahaba ground with you, Allah Ta'ala, and pray. And that any of your beloved ones pray that you are happy with your dua, and that dua is nothing for us, because it's a share in the